Hi, and welcome to Cameron's Baptist Church Sermons Podcast. We hope you're blessed by today's message. I was praying, ask God, what word will I share this evening? To be honest with you, I have another word to share. And suddenly, um, God changed it. I, I believe... Um, is for us to listen to this one. It is one heart, one vision. For me, it means singleness of heart. But what is singleness of heart? What does it mean? If I were to define what it is, Oneness or oneness or singleness of heart is the quality or state of being single or separated from all others. The opposite of doubleness, the opposite of complication or multiplicity, or it is freedom from duplicity or secondary or selfish ends. Purity of mind or purpose. Simplicity, sincerity as a singleness of purpose. That means singleness of heart. So I want to read first text this morning, which is in the book of Acts, chapter 2. I want to read verse 42 to 46. Sorry? Sorry? Did I say this morning? Today. Not yet. We'll be soon. Thank you, love. That's why I married you for. To remind me about things. To correct my mistakes. (laughs) You liked that, didn't you? Okay. Acts chapter 2. This evening, people. Do we have it on the screen? Acts chapter 2. Verse 42 to verse 46. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Next. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miracles. Signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had needed. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily. Why? 
because they said that every day they used to meet every day, daily those who were being saved. Want to read Matthew chapter 6, verse 22, 24. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. Next. So I go on reading. But if your eyes are bad, what does it say? Your whole body will be full of what? Darkness. I'm just going to pause there for a minute. Just leave it there. I want you to close your eyes for a minute for me. Close your eyes. What do you, what do you see? With your eyes closed, you don't see anything, do you? Thank you. You can open your eyes now. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either they will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Here Jesus teaching us a very profound principle that I wanted to take as not only I wanted to take it not only for this time for tonight, but I want also to take it for a future reference in your life. The light of the body is the eye. The worst thing that can happen to somebody, the worst thing that can happen to you. Or that you can lose is to lose your vision. To lose your vision is to lose everything. I'm not talking about your natural sight. But your spiritual sight. The illumination that comes from inside of you. Which is God himself. Which is Emmanuel. Holy Spirit. The same thing that the eye does to your body, the vision does to your spirit. It illuminates you. It causes you to have light. As it is naturally, so it is spiritually. All that the enemy have to do to impair your mobility, to stop your movement, to impede your progress is to go for your vision. And this is exactly what the enemy has been trying to do to so many of us, especially the church leaders of our days. They're so blinded by many things. And I say this, and I said this before, and I'll say it again. I find it strange and odd. A churchy who black out everything in that environment or in, in, in that church. And then they're all full of lights and, and smoke and everything. You can't even see when you're worshipping. You can't even see the person next to you. Everything is dark. Why is that? 
Because he is trying to bring what is in the world into the church so we can attract the people from outside. I said this and I will say it again. If the holiness of God in the church is not enough to attract people from outside, I don't know what it is. Because every time we try to bring things of the flesh within to attract people from outside, we have to keep it up. When we stop doing it, we'll lose those people. Somebody said once, it is not how you start it, but it's how you finish it that matters. In the book of Revelation chapter 3, God tells one of the churches to go back to their first love. As I want to talk about one heart, one vision, or singleness of heart, in Acts, the Bible talks to us about singleness of heart, in the book of Acts, in Matthew, he talks to us about the singleness of the eye. In the Bible, in the book of Acts, when it talks about the great miracles that occur in the life of the disciples, in, through the apostles and the apostles, it, it ties the ability for them to perform miracles with fellowship. And brothers and sisters, we have lost that ability. And I was sharing with Ruth today while I was, I was driving to, um, to the hospital to visit somebody. Just before I came here. I was asking God, Lord, please restore us the ability to perform miracles. You know how it happens. Only happens when we have one heart. We have singleness of heart. When we are in one place. Have the same purpose. Worshipping the same God. The Bible says that they continued from house to house, breaking bread and in fellowship. Some of us are very comfortable in our own homes. We don't want to leave our homes to go in fellowship with somebody else. I believe it is very important to have a house group and have fellowship with each other. So we can get together. So we don't become isolated. And introspective. But some people love too much their house. And therefore they, they deny other people to grow. The opportunity to be built up. My prayer be that you come out of that comfort zone of yours. And break the fear, you know, that you may hold and allow somebody, not everybody, listen to this. Allow somebody, not everybody. Somebody that you can find. Somebody that will be able to walk with you and pray with you, pray for you, have fellowship with you and help you along the way until you, you are equipped and prepared to help somebody else. Fellowship causes us to be fruitful. Because fellowship causes pollination. And that causes you to be fruitful. It is, um, what's, the, what's the word says? It is an iron, an iron that sharpens, right, each other. You have disagreement. Yes, you will. You may have, you know, something 
that you may think it is odd or against, you know, this person, oh, I didn't feel like that much, or you, sometimes, what happens in your house with your brothers, with your siblings? You're always all right, you never fight, you never argue. That's how we grow, but you, the love is there. Fellowship causes you to be fruitful. When you can't have any thoughts, but your own thoughts, and you cannot monitor if you are growing, or if you're digressing, or if you're progressing, that you need to be able to, you know, balance something of some people. Am I talking to somebody here? Because some, you cannot hide yourself from the world. You cannot hide yourself from anybody. You cannot isolate yourself because God didn't create us to be alone. He created us to have fellowship. And it started with Him, to have fellowship with Him. When you cannot have any thoughts but yours, be careful. The Bible tells us that the disciples continue to do that on a daily basis. Have you ever noticed that when the church grew from that moment onwards? Have you, have you read Acts chapter 8? Do you know what happened in Acts chapter 8? Do you know what is written there? I tell you. The Bible says there was a great persecution in those days. And the church was scattered all over. The only ones who remained in Jerusalem was the apostles. Everybody else was scattered. Some people, I may have my theology there. People started to be too comfortable. And then God started to bring some, or allowing some persecution to come around. And everybody, when he may ask, so how the church grew if the apostles stayed in Jerusalem? The apostles, they were not scattered, they stayed there. Why? Because the disciples who learned to be true disciples of Christ uh, were disciples who made disciples who made disciples because they learned to preserve the unity of the body of Christ. They learned to preserve that environment where miracle happens. And as we lost the ability to perform miracles in fellowship, we need to restore that once again. And as I said, when I was going to the hospital to visit this, this brother, I said, Lord, please restore our ability or our environment to perform miracles as we fellowship. Are you all right? Come and say hello to everybody. Look, let's say everybody. Jerome, he was misread Jerome. He was, he was in need for a while. I think his mom was not well. But now, thank God, they're back. You know, that is what the early church did. And the Bible tells us that about their ability to perform miracles was due to their attitude towards God and towards each other. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. That's right. Oh, he loved that, didn't he? So they continued that, that way, steadfastly. I want to quote the Bible again uh, in the beginning of the book, the book of Acts. It tells us that when the day of Pentecost came, the Bible said they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues 
as the Spirit enabled them. This tongue here are tongues that are, uh, they were understood by people who didn't speak Aramaic or Hebrew or whatever. People from other parts of the world that were there. And these people were given the ability to speak in their language and understand. And we have a perfect environment for that, don't we? We live in London. You can find people from every single nation in the world. Imagine how privileged we are. But we lost the ability to perform such miracles or act in such power. The verse we just read says that they were all together in one place, singleness of heart. It's not revival that brings unity. It is unity that brings revival. Just read the Bible. You see, I'm not making up any theology here. Singleness of heart. This was the promise becoming a reality in their lives. Because Jesus said, stay in Jerusalem until you are filled until you receive the promise. And he says, I will give you an undivided heart, a, a single heart, and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from their heart, I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. They will be my people and I will be, and, and I will be their God. I'd like to touch on my last point in this message by inviting you to read with me uh, the first book of Samuel, uh, chapter 30, verse 1 to 8. Sometimes when we lose that moment, when we, when we think that what happens around us, what will happen to us, is somebody else's fault, we start to lose sight of who God is. The Bible says, David and his men reached Ziklag. On the third day, now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burned it. And had taken captive the women and all who were in it, both young and old. They killed none of them but carried them off as they went on their way. When David and his men came to Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire. Their wives and sons and daughters were taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives have been captured. Ahinoan of Shezreel and Abigail. And Abigail, whatever your pronunciation is, the widow of Nabal. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abiatar, the priest, and son of 
Ahimelech, bring me the effort. Abiatar brought it to him, and David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? Pursue them, he answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. Now, why did I read this verse and what does he have to do with that message? Very simple. Sometimes we are fighting a ruthless enemy. When he comes against us, he comes with a de determination to destroy what we dear the most. What do you dear the most? What is more important for you rather than your family? He knows once he has our hearts divided, he will start to score points against us. He will try to hurt us and will do anything to ensure we don't have a singleness of heart. Sometimes things happen to us, we end up blaming somebody else. Why? Because we are in the same cause. We are in the same fight. But what have I gained fighting with you? The man may have inquired. David took these men from the side of the road when nobody wanted them around. David gathered them. He proved his love for them many times. He trusted them and believed in them. Brought them to be part of his army and also to enjoy his blessings because David was a blessed man and blessings of God would be reaching them as well. David had God's promise that would become the king of Israel and David wanted to share his blessings with them. David put his life on the line for them so many times. Now, when something, a calamity strikes, they want to kill David. Was David who did what? You know, what happened? Was it David's fault? They thought so. When the enemy came and, and took away the wives and children, they turned against David. All this is your fault, David. These things happen with us because we are serving you and we are fighting your battles. Now, what we get in return. That enemy took our wives and our children and took everything that we have and burned our houses. The Bible says that they want to stone him. You may have felt that in your life. When you're trying to keep your family together. When you're trying to do everything that you can to hold things together in your workplace. And the people don't understand because they don't know the, you know, the intention of your heart. And then when something happened, they tried to shift the blame or blame you for what happened. Not even their fault either, but they tried to find somebody to blame. What did David do? Did he retaliate? Did he tell you are nothing and I made you something. You are nobody and I made you somebody. You were despised and rejected and I loved you. I accepted you and I cared for you. I, I took you into my, my army. 
Now, that is how you pay me back. Did David do that? Most of the time when calamity strikes, solidarity disappears, goes out of the window. When disaster hits, kindness dies with it. And we start to become bitter and bitter. When bitterness finds a way into our hearts, then we turn ourselves into potential killers. Not physically, probably, but we kill people's reputation. Cain became bitter towards his brother and he killed him. Esau became bitter against his brother Jacob and tried to kill him. Absalom became bitter towards his brother and killed him. As I said, we may not kill somebody physically, but how many people we've been killing this year or we have killed this year with our tongues? Because we sparkle a division in that relationship. We carelessly or in an evil way or we've been allowed to be used by the enemy to talk about somebody. And you got that person disheartened or you have that person um, so upset or discouraged. They don't want anything to do with you or with fellowship with you or even with the church. I don't talk about you talking about me because I don't mind. I'm, got, I'm used to it. You know, I've got hard skin. <laughs> Do you think that telling lies about you will hurt you? Do you think that telling lies about yourself will do you great harm? No. Do you know what do great harm? If people really tell the truth about you. If I come to you, all right? If I come to Murdy and I say, well, you're not an honest man because I saw, you know, you're riding that car of yours, you know, that Uber, and uh, I know you tricked a customer the other day. I may have not seen it. I may make a lie about him. He knows it's, he knows it's not true. He may not bother about it because that will not hurt him because I have to prove. All right? But when, when somebody knows the truth about you and tell the truth about you, that truth can destroy you. Are you following me? So that means lies. Why do you worry about people saying lies about you? Why do you worry about people gossiping about you if it's not true? I have that I have that chat with the Lord from time to time. I said, Lord, I you know, I don't really care what people say about me. What I must care is what you know about me. What does the Lord know about you? What does the Lord know about me? That's what would matter. At least that's what we should be worried about. If we don't want to change, if you don't want to have a change of heart. Now, they want to kill David. Now they are divided. They don't have a single heart. Now they don't have the strength to go against the enemy. 
You see, when you come to Acts, people have one heart, they are in one place, they have one purpose, and the Holy Spirit comes and fills the place, and they are blessed like never before. Now, when you come back, you see David now have a purpose. Everything, the enemy comes and destroys everything they hold dear. Take their wives, their kids away. Now they don't have a singleness of heart. They are divided within. Do you think they will succeed? They had no strength because the Bible says they wept until they had no strength left. There's only way to wipe out the bitter feelings from our hearts when we allow forgiveness to find a place. When I said there are two kinds of people in this world, one is dead to sin, the other ones were dead in, in sin. The only way for that to be cured is those who are dead in sin are forgiveness from the Lord. When we get together with singleness of heart, a powerful thing happens in our midst. God becomes so pleased, so happy that his spirit starts to move among us and take away everything that is blocking us from having a singleness of heart. Come Rose. That's for, for the members of Camrose. I know there are people visiting us this, this, this evening, not morning. <clears throat> Got it now. I tell you. We've been listening to what God is taking into a new season. And the way I see it, and what God placed it in my heart is this. Moses... When carried those people through the, de the desert for 40 years, he actually dragged them along. The one day he said to the Lord, don't kill them. If you kill them, you take my name out of the book that you have written. No. He then, faith the Lord, he, of course he was concerned about the, God's glory, God's name. He was a, he was a powerful man of God, Moses. But now, God gave Joshua a new challenge. As big as Moses. As, as important as Moses. But now Joshua says to these people, if you want to come with me, let's take possession of the land. But if you don't want to come, I'm just paraphrasing it, okay? He said, I'm not going to drag you like Moses did with our ancestors. You're going to die on this side of the river, but I'm going to cross the river and I'm going to bring down Jericho. For God's sake. That's what he did. And those who didn't want. Stay behind. And died behind. I hope you understand what I'm saying. God becomes so pleased with us. Then his Holy Spirit will come and fill us in such a way. That next chapter. There will be no, no, no room for people in this place. There will be. No willingness to stay away. They want to come murder. They want to stay late. They want to enjoy the fellowship. It's nothing to do with me. But it's to do with the presence of God that will permeate this place in such a way. If we have a singleness of heart, there will be nothing. There will be nothing impossible for God to do. And He will restore you know, the, the, the atmosphere and our ability to, to perform miracles. I'm going to call Alvaro now. We're almost next year. I'm preaching the whole year now. I'm going to finish next year. You know, the Bible says, the joy of the Lord is, is our strength. Listen, if it is sin, 
God brings forgiveness. If it is sickness or illness, he brings healing. If your heart is troubled, he says, peace be unto you. If there is conflict, he brings reconciliation. If there is persecution, he gives grace to endure. And power to remain obedient and focused on the task that he called us to do until he comes and takes us home. You know, David saw that they were losing focus. They were losing their vision. Now they were going from vision to division. And David didn't want that to happen. You remember the guy in the book of Judges called Samson, a man called Samson? He went from vision to division to no vision. Physically as well as spiritually. That's what happened to Samson. We don't want to happen to us. Because we, we don't want to play with sin. We don't want to play with God. We don't want to play church here. I'm serious about preaching against sin. And I'm, I'm serious about preaching hellfire. Yes, I do. I'm serious about preaching the word of God. And, 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 and not pretend that I'm all, we are all inclusive. No, we are inclusive with everything within, within the word of God. Yes, that's it. That's what we are. I am. You know what I'm saying. God forbid we are like Samson. So I just want to finish. Uh, got much to say, but I don't have much time this year. <laughs> you know, but David found strength in the Lord to keep the, his men in place. To keep his men focused and united. I lift my eyes to the mountain where my help comes from. That's what that's David's prayer. My help comes from you, Lord. Maker of heaven and earth. Hallelujah. Let's stand, shall we? I think people don't want us to count down. We're going to be counting down in a minute. Do we have a time for a song before the countdown? And then, if you give me another five minutes for next, next year, I appreciate it. I promise you'll be the first five minutes next year. So I can conclude my message.
we are coming to the end of another year. I'd like to remind those who are suffering right now, Lord, in a war zone. People have no rest, no peace, no food, no water, nothing. And they find themselves trapped. And especially those, Lord, innocent people. The children, the elderly, those who are not able to fight. And neither do you have a saying in this nonsense wars that goes around the world. We pray for peace right now. Lord, let 2024 be a, be a, a remarkable year for come rose as we stand in prayer. As we stay together, remain together, and let your power be over us. Help us today, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. If you want more information about Camrose Baptist Church, visit our website, www.camrosebc.org.uk. Follow us on Instagram at Camrose Baptist Church and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Camrose Baptist Church Edgeware.